Welcome to the Endurance Path Podcast with me, Steve Hamlin. This whole Endurance Path thing started with me writing about some of my own race experiences after getting myself off the couch and, and back in shape. Over time, my race reports became more and more detailed to the point that I realized other folks were using my reports to plan for their own races. So I launched the Endurance Path Podcast with some audio of my own race reports, but have started bringing guests on the show to share some of the many inspiring stories that are out there and just have some great general discussion. I'll be kicking out my own race reports whenever I do race, but I'll also keep bringing on the guests. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to my first international guest, Jerome Dion to the Endurance Path Podcast. Jerome originally got into mountain biking in the 80s and is back at it for round two. We talk about Jerome's major weight gain after two years in the US and too many trips to Taco Bell. Jerome compares some racing he's done in Canada versus the US and then we dive into preparation for the Margie Gessick 100. We talk about a whole bunch of stuff, including endurance training, gear and equipment, the upcoming fat bike season, races, all while Jerome throws some questions back my way for some good open discussion. It's a bit of a longer episode, but we talk about a whole bunch of topics. So fire this one up over a couple of commutes and enjoy. And by the way, I'd love some feedback on this type of an episode. If you like the open and every once in a while random discussion, then I might bring some guests on just for that purpose. Hit me up. Let me know. Enjoy. So I've got uh, Jerome Dion here, and Jerome, how you doing? Hi, I'm good. <laughs> so, you? Uh, uh, so this this whole podcast got got started kind of interesting because uh, Jerome had mentioned some comments on my Margie Gessick 100 report, asking some questions, and we had a, a I think maybe a couple of comments back and forth, and I you had asked me right if uh, I was up for doing a post or maybe a podcast about like gear and equipment or something like that. Is that what it was? Yes. Um, I was referring back to the, um, YouTube video that you made. Um, I think it's oh, yeah, 2016 yeah, was... when uh, you showed up from the back of your truck, the equipment that you were planning on, on using for the 2016 Margie Gessick. Yeah. Yeah. So I was thinking maybe it would be, uh, it'd be great to have a similar, um, video, uh, post race of uh, your actual setup, and maybe talk about what you you'd improve on the, on that. Yeah, yeah. So what I I had uh, so I actually hit I hit Jerome back and just said, yeah, I thought about doing a post like that, maybe maybe even a podcast. But um, so I I think I said you, you interested just maybe maybe having a guest on and you being that guest and asking me about it. So that's that's how this whole thing started. So it's not going to be not really going to be a Margie Gessick, uh Report, and then we're going to talk about that a little bit and some gear and maybe some other races. But uh, after Jerome and I got talking, uh, it, it just sounded like a really an interesting show, and he's kind of got an interesting background too. So uh, I'll actually kind of introduce, slide into that a little bit and have Jerome kind of introduce himself and where he's from. And you, so you're, you're, you're from Montreal, right, Jerome? Yes, I currently live in the greater Montreal, actually um, midway between Ottawa and uh, Montreal. Okay. So, um, yes. I'm French-Canadian. I'm father of three. Uh, also, I work as an engineer for a school board. We supervise the um, buildings of um, the school board, which are roughly 50 buildings. And um, that's it. Cool. I'm actually I was born in the uh, 70s, uh, 1975 to be exact, uh, in a little town up the St. Lawrence River. It's called uh, Rimouski. It's actually six hours um, north northeast of Montreal. So just to put a, a pin on the on the map. Okay. 
Oh, that's way up now, up north. If you look at the uh, uh, um, the map, um, yeah, sure. always loved, always loved bikes. Um, as far as I can remember, always uh, loved them. Uh, actually, I, I, growing up, I, I'm my my mom bought me a um, Norco Bigfoot. It was blue. I put. Um, I think it was Tioga's uh, John Farmer tires on it. They so when big... would this have been? Oh, maybe um, late 80s. Okay. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that that's bike... pretty early for mountain biking. Yeah, yeah. Um, no suspensions for it then. Uh, it was just, uh, um, yeah, your arms your arms and legs were the suspension. So, uh, yeah. that's uh... And I, I remember where when uh, 1.95-inch tire were, um, were big. I mean, you could actually back then buy 1.8s and 1.95 were pretty, pretty wide. I yeah. remember when I was so late, late 90s when I got into it, the, those were 1.95s were a little on the narrow side. Maybe they got bigger for a while and then everything was like super light, right? We were trying to go really light on everything. Yeah. So I remember using these. I think they were like some Kenda Cosmic Light. 1.95s they rolled crazy fast but oh my gosh in a corner it's not yeah sketchy <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah a friend of mine actually bought a he built piece by piece a full titanium bike back in the early 90s that thing must have cost him 10 grand back then it was crazy light <laughs> everything in there was was that he that you could could found find it was titanium the chain was um, every bits and pieces were, it was crazy. It was nice though to look at. So don't know you into, were you into racing back then? Um, there was a little race around the um, town where, um, it was a point to point and, um, it was 40 K, which is roughly 26 miles to you. Um, and that, that was my first foray into mountain bike racing. And then after that, um, Got myself a nice uh, stump jumper from Specialized. Um, if you can remember, it was 91. It was Mate Gray. Um, and then I, I raced a couple uh, Quebec Cup there uh, with that bike. Um, I, I missed prom of high school to go to um, Mont Saint-Anne because it was the first World Cup in in Mont-Saint-Anne. So I, I attended that and I missed prom just for that. So that's that's how mountain bike was important for me back then and it is also now. So it's yeah, part of my life. So yeah. I crashed that I crashed that specialized back in in uh, 91 um and um bent the fork when I ended over uh on a ditch. <laughs> so um so there's, there's to... no uh suspension on them at that time, right? No, that's when I uh, went to the bike shop and I said, I bet my fork, uh, what you got for me? And he says, uh, I've got this new thing, a suspension from RockShox, the new uh, RS1. So you believe that the latest RS1 with upside, uh, up, upside down uh, extensions and everything, that back then was the first thing that they had. It was black with, nice. if I remember correctly, um, pink uh, markings on it. So um, that was a shit there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> later, on that, later on that summer, I bought some the new Speedy pedals, the big anchors. <laughs> they okay. were heavy. 
uh, the big black black ones, and that that was it. That was my bike. It was. So this, uh, is, this is early '90s. This is '91 still. '91, yeah, '91 okay. still. That's before I got. Into, I would. I was 12 years old. So. Yeah, yeah. Born '95. In '75, I was um, uh, 17, 18 back then. I think. Or so this, 16, yeah. There was no clips or anything at that time, right? Back then, it was yeah, toe clips. You had to get your 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 feet with the, strapped. With the straps and everything. Strapped, yeah. <laughs> yeah, those are horrible. You bruised your knees a couple of times before you figured that out to uh, uh, safely uh, remove uh, the the feet off of of your pedals. <laughs> and, so, so when when I before I went to clipless pedals, uh, and again this is like late nineties when I got into mountain biking the first time. I remember going, oh, I don't know if I want to go into the clipless pedals yet. So I got, I got those toe clips with the straps on them. Yeah. And they were horrible. They were worse than clipless pedals. Cause you, you couldn't get your feet out of them or anything. And yeah. I remember the first time going for a ride with them, I like went to stop and then just fell over sideways cause I couldn't get my feet out of them. And, uh, yeah. So, so that's it. So I raced in uh, in Quebec for um, I'd say uh, up until 1997. Um, being far from from the race races because uh, it was up uh, the Saint Lawrence River, always four or five hours drives from any races that uh, that took place. Uh, only raced um, I'd say four or five races each summer, and that was enough for me. Uh, and then. Uh, I got an opportunity to uh, to work as a uh, draftman uh, for a company, um, a steel company down in Cincinnati. So um, 1998, 1999, I spent two years over there. Um, okay. Yeah. So that is where basically I learned how to speak English because um, before that I, I thought I knew. But uh, when I got my, <laughs> my my first experience ordering a Big Mac at uh, McDonald's uh, in Ohio, I uh, got quite the surprise. Like I didn't figure, I couldn't figure out what she was saying. I had to re- have her repeat six or seven times what she was saying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and she wouldn't help me, so uh, she'd still repeat the same thing over and over. Uh, that's that was uh, some experience. Um, uh, speaking of uh, McDonald's, I um, that this is where and I I, um, I gain a few pounds. So there's a seems to be a recurring theme with all your your uh, guests from late yeah. of late. Uh, many people have gained and, and lost weight. So uh, all in all, I think I put on I went from 165 to uh, 240. In wow. the span of that two years, yeah. In two two years in the U.S. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, welcome to the U.S. Yeah, welcome. So I, I how, was, how was that Big Mac? Uh, that Big Mac was all right. The the, <laughs> the um, Taco Bell was something that we didn't have, so I splurged <laughs> on that. Splurged on uh, Skyline Chili and. Uh, yeah, but that was uh, back when you could get like burritos for like thirty nine cents, right? Yo, it was chili cheese burritos. Yeah, <laughs> at Taco yeah. Bell. I took three for dessert after having my full meal. Those were a hit when I was in high school. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I moved back from uh, from Cincinnati to uh, to Quebec to work again, and then um, finished my university degree uh, and started work um, in the engineering and, uh, business in 2003. 
Um, so I kind of made some um, bike, um, mainly road bike, between um, my my return to from uh, United States uh, and my uh, start a career as a, as an engineer in Montreal. Kept on road biking until um, let's say 2012. Always owned a bike. Was this uh, like was, consistently or just kind of on off? Or? Um, there was a few years off, really off. I didn't touch my bike all summer. Um, but uh, I normally I would cycle roughly 3,000 miles uh, per per summer, but on a road bike. On a road bike, I mean, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. like 100 hours, uh, just a, a few uh, Couple hundred hours of of, of road biking, and that that be it. Okay. Basically, trying to lose that weight that I had gained. And um, any progress? Yeah, yeah, I had some progresses. Um, twenty pounds at a time. Um, I lose twenty, gain ten. Lose twenty, gain yeah, ten. Yeah. Lose twenty, gain twenty-five. And that's how I, I was yo-yoing a, a lot. Um, and always been a struggle for me. Always has. Uh, so you, you you stop as a racer, and you with you with all the appetite that you have, and you kind of the, the kind of food that you've 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 been accustomed to, and uh, stop doing that, and and keep on on piling the food and everything. And some for it's it's uh, it will get to you at some point. Yeah. Well, in, in age too, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, so back in 2011, I just decided to give it a go, and I lost a whole bunch of weight then, um, like 35, 40 pounds, and went from 220 to um, uh, being 180. Um, and nice. yeah, so um, I've been hovering around 180 right now. I, I'm... Not a tall guy by all any means. I, I five foot seven. Um, I'm stocky. I'm muscular, but I still have a lot of uh, of weight to lose. I'd like to be um, my race weight would would be around 160, 165. That's okay. where I think I'd be without where I would find my happy place. Let's say. Yeah. Yeah. So I fell back in love with mountain bike in 2012. I bought my first 29er and, uh, in 2013, and uh, the rest uh, is not history, but almost. I'm doing like um, – What you get? Six, I, I, back then, it was a Rocky Mountain. Okay. Um, being from Canada, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the obvious choice, <laughs> usual suspect. Um, it's uh, Element um, uh, 970. It was uh, XT built okay. um, with Fox suspensions, carbon frame. So it was nice. Yeah. So for some reason, back back when I was in when I was in college, so this is uh, 97 to 2001. Um, I went to I went to college at Michigan Tech, so I was I was in the UP, Upper Peninsula, Michigan across the big lakes period from Canada. But for some reason I had this like liking toward Rocky mountain bikes. I'm not sure why I didn't, I never owned one. Uh, I don't know if it was, I was totally new to biking and picked up a magazine one day and saw Rocky mountain in there and wanted one I, to this day. I've still never, never, never owned one. I had, I had a ProFlex when I was in, in college, but anyways. Yeah. ProFlex. ProFlex. Those, those were uh, kind, uh, kind of interesting bikes. With it's the, uh, hanging in the garage right now. Yeah, is it still? Yeah, yeah. It's, Good. I, I haven't ridden it since last year. 
But so uh, yeah, both shocks are blown on it, and uh, I broke a helmet the last time I rode it. So yeah, rubber rubber as suspension. Yeah, it's with it's a, little, uh, it's a little loose. It's yeah, <laughs> it could use a full rebuild with that funky looking um, um, fork. Yeah. The um gar was that Garvin the Garvin, Garvin fork? fork on it. Yep. Garvin fork, yeah. yeah. It was uh took linkage to a new, uh, a new level. Yep. <laughs> so you, you mentioned uh, Upper Peninsula when you when you went out to um to college. Um, isn't that where the Margie Gesicks is taking place every year? Uh, close. So I I went to school in uh, Houghton, and uh, which is. Uh, a lot of people are familiar with Copper Harbor for in the bike world. So Houghton is uh, about 45 minutes. You have to drive through Houghton to get to Copper Harbor because there's the, the lift bridge that's there. But it's it's on the canal there in, uh, that ties to the Keweenaw Peninsula. So the Marjigasic is about two hours uh, southeast of there in uh, Marquette. Okay. So, but... So what what, so, what type of racing did you, have you been doing since you got back into it then? Um, I was in 2014-15, I was more into um, uh, marathon racing, um, the distances that are closer to, closer to uh, 50 mile. Uh, 50 mile? 50 miles, yes, 5-0, okay. yeah. Okay. Um, and then in 2015, I, um, I tried my first uh, Iron Miler. In uh, the Gaspi uh, Gaspigia Peninsula, it's uh, in the Gaspi Peninsula. It's actually um, 13 hours drive from Montreal east, east of Montreal. So um, that's a long drive, long haul to get to. That's the only 100 miler that we have here in Canada, actually. Okay. Um, the the setting is is amazing. Um, you know, I don't know if you've seen the pictures of. Um, of the uh, the rock the in, in the sea uh, in Perse, you see that big humongous rock with with a hole in it and um, uh, I have to look it up now because I yeah. I'm always uh, I don't know, people that kind of follow along with with some of the stuff I do and I haven't gotten like way out there yet for bike races but I've I've been out west and a couple trips out to the Appalachians 19 hour car drives to some races this summer but. I'm always looking for some cool stuff to put on the bucket list, and the, you know it's going to take me probably the next thirty years to <laughs> empty that bucket. But uh, I will have to look it up now. So, and, and then 2016, 2017, I did uh, a good mix of uh, cross country Olympic races um, and um, marathon racing um, for the um, 80 mile, uh, 50 mile uh, distance. Okay. Um, yeah. Now, did you did you go down into some of the New England areas? I went uh, two years in a row uh, to the Vermont 50 mountain okay. bike race. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a quite a hilly race there. Uh, there's um, um, it's a 50 miler with um, I have it in in, in meters. It's uh, 2,400 meters of, of vertical gain, which is oh. roughly yeah, it's less like 8,000 feet of, of vertical vertical. So it's a uh, it's a quite uh, quite an undertaking to to do. It's it's relentless. That there's no flat spot there. You just uh, <laughs> yeah, you're, you you're up or that, down. Yeah. 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 Is that is that the one that's uh, is that the one that's called Crotchet Mountain now, or has been replaced by Crotchet Mountain? Uh, 
No, no. The, the, the race you're referring to is the New Hampshire 100. New Hampshire. Uh, okay. what, right. And I was replaced by the Crutchet Mountain okay. 100. Yeah. Race. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, the Vermont uh, 50 is um, it's been there for I think it's 25 years now. Okay. Uh, there's a cool history to it. Good race. The uh, oh yeah, it's amazing. Like, yeah, it it sold it sells out in a matter of 15 minutes. What time of the year is that one? Um, it's the uh, th- next year, 2018. It's going to be the September 30th weekend. That's the weekend after Margie Gessick. Right after this year, it was the same weekend as the Margie Gessick. Okay. So we we endured the um, the heat and humidity as you did. Okay. Uh, yeah. But we didn't get that uh, downpour that you get uh, the day before. The night before, yeah. The night before, yeah. So it was dry conditions. It's good because apparently dirt over there turns to peanut butter when it's uh, when it's wet, and it's not never a good thing. Um, so uh, yeah, yeah. It, it it sells out in a matter of minutes. It's crazy. Damn. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's very interesting. Is it a, is it One, a big cap or small cap or? It's uh, there's a cap of six hundred and fifty. Wow, so it's a okay. So yeah, it's a big race too. Yeah, it's a big race. Big race, and there's um, there's a runners race as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, what what makes it interesting is that the um, the start is uh, at six o'clock in the morning. Okay. Um, so it's still dark. Still early. Yeah. Yeah, so you you have to actually start with light, and uh, you don't have to you you won't finish with a light, but but you start with a light. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. Interesting. So it's, what's on the what's uh I guess how you been doing in the racing and stuff since you got I mean since you got back in back in shape and back into it. And... Well, I'm not as back in shape as I would like to be. Um, so here in Quebec, like like we've already talked before, is uh, is a pretty competitive. Um, um, uh, there's a lot of, of uh, competition. Uh, like uh, what I'm saying, what I want to say is that the the competitors that are entering the race are there. No, there are no tourists. Um, so there's <laughs> they're you. there. <laughs> they're there for to race. The race, yeah. So, um, they're, they're with, there to get a job done. Yeah, yeah. So, um, if I finish a a, a fifty miler in, in five hours and, and fifteen five hours five hours or thirty, I'll be in the um, the last third of the pack. Okay. Whereas, with the same time and um, during a race at the Vermont fifty. I finished in the first third of it, of the pack. So, okay. yeah. So I finished this year was my best race, 195 out of 650, which is, to me, is, is good because yeah. I've improved on last year's time and also yeah, because of the weather. Of the pack too. Yeah. Right. So I'm ahead of the curve and here I'm behind the curve. Gotcha. So, is it yeah, technical ha- racing up there or what's the trail? Uh, what's the in Vermont, it's it was not technical, but uh, however, here in Quebec, it is uh, more technical. Um, we uh, typically have um, um, rocks and roots um, um, and sketchy downhills. Some places, um, the race directors are trying to not. I'll, I'll, I'll do themselves, uh, but they're getting the race courses uh, harder and harder every time. Nice. Keep it, keep uh, it year. challenging from year to year. 
Yeah, yeah. There's some. There's one race actually near the um, New Hampshire uh, border uh, in uh, a little town um, uh, called uh, East uh, Hereford, where they actually have us go down double diamonds um, for <laughs> for <laughs> quite some time. I think it's like five miles down double oh, diamonds hey. yeah 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 there's some shoes that you have to have your, your dropper seats uh dropper seat boats yeah seat boats yeah that's I that's when i'm gonna get it i think i'm gonna get a dropper post for next year i yeah I, I don't have one yet but i've ridden enough stuff now and different races come across some stuff that i definitely need to get myself a dropper post it's it's way easier to get behind the the seat when you have that and to control the your 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 speed and then um in technical downhill yeah, yeah. so what i found though is that you get some because you need to get a used to it because in in um in a 50 miler or longer race uh you can't use it all the time in the in in the downhills because you you get tired you, you get tired uh, those legs are not used to support you all the time going downhill i oh, yeah. i'll sit sometimes i'll sit a few seconds here and there and in, in the downhills just to rest yeah. and what's your seat down you just can't do that so it's um it's a different yeah you i don't i don't use it as much as i thought i use it yeah. but those little sketchy downhills where i need it it's there and i I'll carry the extra extra 200 grams. <laughs> so that uh, that kind of makes sense then, uh, I guess. You, so you already registered for the Margie, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I guess obviously we, we probably wouldn't have been having a conversation if not because it's registration cap now. But that's I guess that makes sense why you've, you're drawn to that race. Yeah. Yeah. It's I like technical, uh, Rudy, Rocky stuff. And um, I like to hearn to earn my, my, my races and results so that, uh, I have to be proud of them. I, there's no looking at one of the big race. I for sure want to do it, but level, um, yeah, because, because it's iconic. It's high up in the altitude, uh, in, in, the Colorado mountains and everything. But from what I hear, it's, it's not very technical. Yeah, that's, I guess, well, it's easy to tell how technical a course is if you look at the finish times, right? Yeah. So the, um, it, I know around here, I mean, when you talk about doing endurance races, most people are like, well, have you done Leadville or are you going to do Leadville? Um, so this, this can go into a whole other topic, but something I've kind of always said is like the race doesn't have to be the most technical, hardest race to be the best race though. Mm-hmm. So. I've been to some races that I just love the race weekend that I think they, the promoters do a phenomenal job of putting on a race and they just, they give you a fantastic experience. And so that to me has something, you know, that's, that's definitely worth something there. So like the Lutzen 99 is another race here in Minnesota that it's not very technical. It's a very, very fast hundred miler. I mean, the, the winners will usually finish in the last two, three years have finished under 540, I think. Wow. And, um, so, I mean, it's, I mean, crazy. You're 17 plus miles per hour average for a hundred mile off road race. Um, so yeah, is it the, the most technical, the hardest? No, by, by all means, no, but is it a 
fantastic, just awesome race weekend. Yeah. They do a really, really good job of putting that race weekend on. Um, uh-huh. and, and so, yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it all depends on what you're looking for. So I've heard the same thing about Leadville. I've heard Leadville is a phenomenal race weekend experience. And so it's, it's worth every penny to go out there for the experience that they give you for the weekend. So, uh, yeah, I, I want to get out there myself too. So it, it's, uh, it's on, it's on the list as well. So you're getting a lottery ticket, uh, comes, uh, December. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the Lutzen race is a, is a qualifier for it. So, Oh yeah. Okay. So you wouldn't go the route of, uh, buying a ticket and trying the lot. You would rather go with the qualifier. Yeah, so I've heard that if you stick around at Lutzen for – if you're around there for the rewards and stuff, especially like last year, the weather was just nasty. And so you know there wasn't as many people that stuck around afterwards uh, that there's a good chance you could get – you know they do a drawing oh. at the race for it. Um, that being said, I also – in my mind, like mentally, I, I want to push myself to try to like earn a – earn a spot in there, like in the qualifying. So I guess I have to look at the details to see exactly what that is, but I, I haven't been fast enough to earn one yet, <laughs> but we got to have goals, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's one goal. There, I, there's I can't one... remember what it is at Lucent. If it's like, you know, podium in your age group or, or whatnot. I don't know. I'm 38. So my, my age group's not getting any easier anytime soon. So no, 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 no. It seems it's, it always, it seems like the 40 to 49 age group is, uh, is also yeah. very, very fast. fast. Um, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully I keep getting faster. So yeah. And, and my little, uh, Quebec cup, we, the 40, 49 actually starts, start before the 30, 39, because they expect us to race faster than the, the younger group. So that's crazy. Yeah. I remember another little side shoot, but I think it was the second year, really the first year, I guess I got kind of like back into, no, it was the second year. Uh, second year I got back into mountain biking. This is, I don't know, 2013 maybe or something like that. Um, I was in, I was racing in, uh, comp class at a one of the ski hill like the you know the weekend series races and i got passed by a couple of guys in their 50s that had started after us as we were making the climb and i think i actually said something out loud to him like man i hope i keep getting faster when i get old (laughs) (laughs) but anyways so but yeah so any other outside of margie we can kind of talk about that a little bit and then but what what else you got planned for next year before we dive into that? Just to put it in perspective. Yeah, well, this year was a pretty uh, busy uh, schedule for me. So next year I'll take it a little easier on on the family and uh, traveling. So I uh, plan on uh, making the Margie my um, my main event of the year, and revolving around that, I I plan for uh, four or five um, marathon racing here in, in uh, Quebec. Okay. Um, I might do, okay. uh, do yeah, might do some out of the blue uh, cross country racing in the Quebec cup or Canada cup, depending on, on the, um, the schedule, if it fits my, uh, my schedule and all. So uh, okay. it's always tempting when the races are only two hours away. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, depend- and then, uh, 
2019, there's the um, Masters World Championship uh, taking place in the same uh, week or weekend as the uh, actual uh, UCI uh, Elite World uh, Champs okay. uh, in Mont Saint Anne. Yeah, so uh, it's a good. Uh, I'm trying to uh, something to gun for. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the thing is, you don't have to qualify for it. You just have to register, and uh, okay. you're in. Um, I don't know if there's uh, 200 re- registered uh, athletes. I don't know if they're going to be uh, doing some qualifier races or or whatnot. But uh, uh, and it's also also fun to think about racing in same at the same uh, course as the uh, the the pros. Those uh, little uh, technical uh, downhills that they're making are looking easier on the screen than they are really on, on in reality. I can tell you that uh, going down going down La Beatrice is uh, is uh, uh, a lot of puckering moments. <laughs> <laughs> you know the uh, that that just reminds me of something I can't say all the time about this sport, uh, really, and like running or anything like that too. Endurance sports seem to be this way is uh, there's not too many other sports where you can actually compete on the same playing field at the same time with, you know, the, the pro level athletes. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and anybody can do it. usually. Exactly. Uh, 2016, a little uh, tidbit here. I towed the line uh, with uh, Thomas Frischnick. I don't know if you remember the guy. He used to be world champion uh, while battling against uh, Ned Overend and uh, Tom- John Tomac and everything. Uh-huh. So he was uh, back uh, in the back of – actually, back of the, pa- the pack. He started dead last with me uh, at okay. the start of the 50-miler uh, race uh, uh, at the World Cup uh, in Mont Saint Anne, he was there for business, obviously for his team with Nino Schurten and everything. Um, but he finished third. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a testament to the guy. He's starting last, a big pack of 150 racers, and ends up finishing third. Is this a little test for himself to see how I, many places he can make up? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> not not a inch of, of, of nervousness in him. So, uh, did you, do you want to talk about Margie Gessick then? Is that what? Yeah. Yes. Yes. The whole, the whole reason you had, you had, so you had some questions for me about the race, which is actually what spawned this entire, entire thing. So I guess maybe not the race, maybe the gear, which might, might actually be applicable to other endurance races and stuff. So, yes. So I, I'm a bit of a, a gear junkie or tech weenie or whatever you want to call it. So I, I try to have always the best tool, best tools for, for the um, horses for courses, uh, let's say, uh, the best tools for the races and or, or the best um, things for for myself. So I, if, I, if I do fat biking, I'll be equipped, totally equipped to face every every conditions out there. So this is why I, I basically reached out to you before I think actually after I registered. Um, so um, I, I wanted to know what I was getting myself into. So I, I tried Jeremiah. So Jeremiah you, re- Bishop. you registered first and then asked. No, no. Just before I registered, I, I reached out to Jeremiah to, to congratulate him on, on, on his result, on his win oh. for 2017, not expecting anything. 
and being a gentleman that he is, he, he uh, responded to me saying that um, uh, I'd be probably better off looking at the th the fifty mile <laughs> to to know what I'm, I was getting myself into. And uh, uh, he, he told me that um, uh, building my core would be essential because uh, the, the technicality of the race and, and being on the on on the gas for that long is is nice. extremely hard on the core. So uh, that was one thing that he, uh, he mentioned. He mentioned also uh, getting myself into um, uh, some classes to learn techniques and and um, proper descending techniques and and whatnot. So uh, he referred back to our conversa conversation when uh, he got interviewed by. Um, um Ben at uh Mountain Bike Radio. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, so the last comment he made about a guy from Canada that was about me. So uh <laughs> oh. <laughs> So I'll uh, I'll put a link in the show notes then to that to Jeremiah's episode then on. That was uh so uh Ben Wellnack had Jeremiah on Mountain Bike Radio for an episode after after the yeah. Margie, so just after Margie, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's uh he also had uh, Danny Hill on for an episode two. So I'll put, yes. uh, I'll put a link to both those in the show notes. So those that are interested in the Margie guest, if you haven't come across that, um, yeah, there's two yep. other, two other podcasts out there with some great information. Uh, uh, actually, I mean, the guy that won it this year and then the guy that designed the course. So be your, you know, that's probably your best place to go. Yeah. <laughs> so and I, I, you, you could, you might just fast forward through through this part of this podcast then <laughs> <laughs> so after that I, I i try to find some more uh no no right at, right after that i registered so i i was sold so on uh at seven o'clock on friday uh day of the uh opening of the registration Always. i looked i looked up and i i saw 70 racers already had uh registered so out of the 650 i said to myself well, but do it now because it's going to be sold out by the end of the day and lo and behold it, it, this is what happened i think they sold out uh one o'clock the night after yeah i think they were uh sold out in like 25 hours i think there was like six or seven spots left after 24 hours i i did the same thing i woke up in the morning and and uh went ahead and got registered so so i'm fresh meat <laughs> and so, so uh, I got my T-shirts, uh, fresh meat T-shirt, and, uh, and nice, and, yeah, and some stickers, uh, so I can blame Danny. So I never had gotten a uh, T-shirt this year. I've got one from the previous year, and then I just recently saw that they had some leftover T-shirts or whatever. So I went and <laughs> ordered a ordered a T-shirt from this past year. So I just got it in the mail uh, here a week or two ago. They have also uh, a new um, a new motto or new mantra. Uh, they they have the uh, unfinished business T-shirts. Yeah, and they hashtag And there's another hashtag which is uh, finished my business. I have and, not seen that. I'll yeah, get my hands on one of those next. Uh, next hopefully, hopefully you'll be able to. And then I have the fresh meat T-shirt coming my way, so I'll be wearing this <laughs> probably when I shake uh, Todd's uh, and and Danny's hands. When I when I go there, awesome man. Yeah. Um, so what do you want? So, what do you want to talk about with it? 
I, I was starting to to wondering um, what was the gear choice and everything, seeing the footage that I've seen uh, here and there and the rock gardens that are there and the roots and everything, and and you trying to 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 come between a couple of trees and uh, stomping uh, <laughs> stopping there oh, uh, on your the, tracks. Uh, that was a video from two years ago. You, yes, you caught that. Yeah. The promotional, yeah. and you also, I also saw you on your side uh, in the first uh, hill. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that <laughs> promo video from the race, uh, the 2016 race. Yeah, I, I think I'm actually, I think I showed up in there like five times, and I'm, yeah, uh, only riding my bike one of them. I think <laughs> like, there's a couple other spots where I, I picked up. I'm like. Really, like you, every single time I'm either walking or crashing or falling over <laughs> some. <laughs> they, they have a sixth sense of humor. It's awesome. I, I, yeah. it's it's. I like what they're doing up there. So, so that's when I, I reached out to you about the uh, gear choices and with the uh, big enduro uh, weight tire. Tire would be the the tire weapon of choice for that, or is just a um, big two point. Three five uh, race uh, cross country racing tire would be the better choice. So you, 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 you and um, I think you you answered back on on uh, the blog um, uh, comments back then that's saying that um, you actually race. What, what are you actually racing uh, when you go there? So I had a uh, Conti uh, X King two point four on the front and a Conti X King two point two on the back. Okay. Um, and th those tires run a little narrow, um, mm -hmm. at least, I mean, they, they seem like it, the 2.2 does not seem like a 2.2. When I first started running those tires, I had the 2.2 in the front and I, it was just, just too narrow for the front. It reminded me <laughs> not quite as bad as those, uh, cosmic like 1.95s that I had in <laughs> 1999 on my ProFlex, but, uh, they, but anyways, uh, I run the protection ones. And knock on wood, I've never had a, a flat or anything like that with them. And I'll run them. I run the 2.4, like 20 PSI, 21 PSI. Not that I'm, I mean, I'm still trying to sort out the gear and that kind of thing. So I'm not, I mean, if you guys, anybody follows along, you know where I'm at on, on stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'm always trying new things out or the way I kind of roll with things too is, I mean, I'll race on worn out tires too. I kind of, I buy a set of tires at the beginning of the year and I just I run them for the year. Um, this year I did have a set of race Kings that I did use and would put on the, the back occasionally. So I, you know, uh, preserved a little bit of tread. So I wasn't going into the margin guess with completely worn out tires, but anyway, okay, so tires are expensive. I'm not going to buy a whole bunch of sets of them every year. Yeah. So two years in a row, no flats with those tires. It's yeah. It's no, I good. mean I've never had a, I've never had a flat with, with tubeless tires. Okay. Uh, but I, and I've I've never really tried a lot of different tire types either. I've always, I guess since I went tubeless, I've been running those Conti protections. I mean they're not the lightest, but they got a tough sidewall. I mean I've I can see like cuts and stuff in my tire and sidewall but i've never had a had a puncture with them okay so you you finish in the first part of the or first quarter of the, the of the group when you when you race that margie both times both times but um 
I, I figured maybe those guys have things sorted out and for them and everything mechanically wise. Um, have you seen any people with mechanical um, flats or mechanical uh, issues? Yeah, yeah. So um, I can't remember the first year. So I, yeah, so the, I finished in 2016, I finished 25th, I think 25th. And it was like 12 hours and 25 minutes or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this year I finished, I think it was 23rd. Um, but it took me like 14 hours, 14 hours and five minutes. Um, but yes, yeah, so this year, I think it was maybe the, is it Pine Knob or Piney Knob? It's about 20 miles in. It was one of the new sections of trail this year. And I saw, uh, and I saw a few flats. And I don't know okay. if that was people still running tubes. I doubt it. I, I don't know. So it must have been people tearing up sidewalls. It was it was pretty it was really, really rocky. Okay. Uh, I saw somebody break a chain. Um but yeah, I mean I, I didn't see I didn't see too many mechanical mechanical issues, so Okay. Because some some courses are, are notori- notoriously um, hard on on, on stuff, uh, yeah. I I would imagine any, any, yeah anything in Pisgah Pisgah National Park would be uh, tearing up uh, bikes left okay. right and center because of of the race conditions down there. You know what? Uh, I think, didn't Jeremiah have a broken chain? Yeah. 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 And he and he had to race back to the lead group yeah. uh, for what. So there's, a couple, there's a couple broken chains there that yeah. I know of. So it was there's at the beginning of the, well, the whole race is really. I mean, there's a lot of, it, there's very little sustained climbs. It's all punchy climbs, and then when you get the rocks and the roots over it, and then you start shifting over that stuff. Um, I know the it's, the guy that broke the chain that I, I saw. I mean, he was powering up stuff that was, the grade would change on it really fast, and you jam some gears, and then, you know what I mean. So it just it's, yeah really really hard on the equipment so you have to read the ter- the, the 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 land and and make sure you you set your your speed and and and, and gears correctly <laughs> yeah i mean kind of there's no uh someone had told me they're like before the race or like yeah, pace yourself you know and just because if you follow my stuff sometimes like i'll kind of get over my head and i'll go out a little harder than i should and just i don't know see where you Series stand or series don't stand. <laughs> How soon can you cramp? Yeah, well, I, I was I had a bad time with that this year in a lot of places, a lot of races. But the uh, um, I get where I was going with that. But um, what was the question again? I forgot. You were actually saying that you're getting yourself ahead ahead of yourself uh, on on this particular. Oh. And so somebody had told me like, you know, pay, pace yourself or whatever. And I remember thinking to myself, you, you can't pace yourself in this race. Like there's no, especially this year with the, that, some of that new trail that was in there, there <laughs> was no, there was no pacing yourself. I mean, there were some spots carrying your bike up some of that rocky stuff in pine knob. And I, I think that's what it was. And just the, the constant like up and down, right? Cause you're not, yeah. you don't get a break going down and then you switch back and you go up and there's a bunch of roots and rocks and then you're off your bike and you're carrying your bike and it's like these big, huge steps. And then you go to get back on it and you take like, you roll like 10 feet and realize you're just dismounting and then you're off and then you're, you're redlining and you're not even moving. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
And it, wow. so there's like not, there was a little bit of that. Well, there's a lot of that, but in that first, when I hit the lows crossing, I like highway 41, uh, this year, when mm-hmm. I was significantly more spent than I was the previous year, you know, and I was still had 75 miles left to race. Why was that? Was that, was that just for that little, that addition of pine knob or yeah, is it because you it was, started or faster or is it, was it because of the heat and humidity? Uh, well, it was a little warmer. Uh, I did not start too fast this year. I went out slower than I did the previous year. Um, partially uh, this year I was, I was sick the whole week coming into it. So, <laughs> I mean, I, um, I had a cold that time. I was a little flat. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, and I just, I wasn't recovering from the stuff and I, but no, it's just some of that new trail in the beginning of this year was, it was, it was tough. It was hard. It was, it was hard riding. And then I think, so about three hours in, it did start feeling pretty hot and, and humid. So, but yeah, who knows? It could snow next year. I mean, it's- what, could it? <laughs> I mean, it's not that late in September. Like a, a month out from the race, looking at how the weather was looking, I, I was, uh, I had not had any, I didn't have any cold weather rain gear or anything like that, and I had mm. gotten caught in two races in the spring, well, even June, Lutzen, uh, with like really, really cold temps and no cold weather slash rain gear, and so I bought that stuff, and then it ended up being ninety degrees. So wow. The, uh, yeah, I mean, it it could be it could be forty five degrees and rainy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. which, and it would not be, it would be more surprising. It's probably more surprising for it to be 90 degrees than it would be for it to be 45 and raining. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I imagine. I think, I mean, I yeah. don't live there, but. Yeah. I actually took the start of the um, Vermont 50 in 2016. It was um, 30, 34 in the morning. Yeah. And it just, so it's like trying to plan, finish at 50. Oof. That was cold. Yeah, because your mind's just not in fat bike gear mode at that point. No, and you, and your you, and your race gears and and sh- short lycras and you have uh, arm warmers, knee warmers, and but nothing over the shoes because it's too cumbersome to walk in and you get you <laughs> froze you freeze your feet. Yeah, uh, I actually started feeling my feeling my my toes. Uh, I was. An hour forty-five into the race, that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I'm to think. so you had mentioned too about. I think we we didn't talk about it, but you had mentioned something to me about you know my wife drove SAG for me and yeah yeah. How would you ride? How would you race the Margie Gessick, knowing that is a non-supported race um, without SAG support? Because all of your race report you mentioned. For for a magic Margie Gessick, that is that you mentioned that um, your wife is there and and providing you uh, feeds yep. all the time and and meeting with you every um, crossing and everything. So how how would you? Because that's probably what I'm going to have to face yeah. uh, next year. Is how would you race it without SAG support? Because uh, I heard Jeremiah had a um, inline water filter. Yeah, I, uh, is that I think, something you would you you'd entertain, or you think that there's enough uh, uh, goodwill uh, feed zones around there to uh, to go without? Uh, so I I think Jeremiah's the one in the in the video I saw 
uh, taking a dunk of the, the water in the, the creek that we drove, we rode through that goes underneath 41. I think that yes. might have been him. But uh, no, I mean, I think you could get, I mean, there's definitely some water sources that you could fill up like that if you had an inline filter, but I don't think you'd need to do that. Uh, one thing that was not there this year that was there in 2016 was at that uh, Highway 41 crossing near Lowe's. There was a like a community-supported aid station, I thought, mm-hmm. in 2016. It was not there this year. Hmm. However, um, you know, my wife was waiting at Lowe's for me, which was for me just over three hours into the race. Mm-hmm. And uh, before I saw her, someone else, like, stepped out and was asked if I needed water as hmm. I was coming up alongside Lowe's. So that entire like parking lot along the side was filled with people. And if, if you're not bashful, I, you probably could have stopped anywhere. I'm assuming if somebody needed water, they could have pulled off and said, Hey, can somebody fill my water up? And I'm sure they would have, I, my wife would have, she had a cooler with a whole bunch of extra jugs of water in it. She was filling other people's water all day. Um, that being said, uh, then there's the the trailhead parking lot that uh, has a big kind of pavilion at it. In the last two years I was there, there was a big aid station there. And then also in the notes for the the race, assuming they did the same thing next year, they said that you could leave a your own cooler under that pavilion if you wanted to. You know, if you just had dropped it off oh. there in the morning on the way to the race start. Okay, so you could you could leave a uh, something at the pavilion. Yeah, and it wasn't – not a drop bag that the race was going to take care of, but kind of at your own risk if you were willing okay. to leave a cooler there. That was like 42-ish miles into the race. Okay, so um, you circle back to the trailhead and then it's your – Well, it's – you don't circle back. This is the trailhead to the south trails. Oh, south trail. Okay. Yeah. So okay, you come north. by there. Um, but then there was – you know, there was an aid station there this year as well, and that's – if there's going to be just a general community set up volunteer aid station, that's the most likely place there's going to be one. So the first year I did it, so in 2016, I had planned to – I was going to see if I could make it all the way to my drop bag with my hydration pack and then just filling up my water bottles. That's six, 75 miles into the race. Yeah, it was, 70, it was supposed to be six, 65 Okay. Um, I ran out of Carbo Rocket. I had my hydration pack with Carbo Rocket, and I was about out of it by the time I hit that South Trails Trailhead, mile forty something. Still uh, short of the drop bag. Yeah, by yeah, uh, <laughs> thirty miles. Yeah, yeah, yeah close to 30, close to thirty <laughs> miles, twenty five miles. And so I filled up my water there, and uh, to do it again, if I was by my my wife actually had pulled into there uh by chance when i was there um and but i i think she filled my water or the pavilion did i I can't remember there was a big aid station there and then i grabbed food at the aid station that was there but to do it again i would have carried a like a bag of ziploc bag of my carbo rocket powder or something with me in my jersey to mix it on the trail so that i can mix it um because there was multiple spots where for instance, like after you went by Lowe's, 
you hit some, you know, the rail trail and then a really short single track and then you went up some other road and some, somebody was out in their front yard and had water. Um, hmm. I mean, there was a lot of spots that you could get water, which you just, you, if I was completely by myself, I might decide to carry a three liter hydration pack instead of the two. I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm shooting for a three liter. Yeah, um, and then hydration pack and two bottles actually. Two bottles. Yeah, well, I mean, you, yeah. then you're gonna have you'll have you'll have have plenty. Carry a little bit of extra. Uh, what I'm still unsure about doing is um, doing what like you're doing the carbo rocket on in the bag and water in in the bottle. I kind of prefer to the opposite, the but opposite. yeah, I still eat. Some solid full, solid, solid, solid food, and yeah. um, uh, some gels as well. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm still unsure about that. Yeah, and I'm. It's personally, I'm actually going to try to get rid of the hydration pack for for next year. I'm kind of tired of carrying a hydration pack, so I might do like a a back bottle. Um, <laughs> I'd I'd like to have a frame where I could carry two bottles. And then carry one of my back. We'll see. Most of the races that are out there, like any of the Inuit races, most any other races are, you could get away with two two bottles. And I'm with the hot racing and, and different climbs. I'm kind of getting tired of carrying a hydration pack, but we'll see. But yeah, I mean, I I don't think it's a problem for somebody to do it on their own as long as you carry. You have to carry some fuel with you so that you, you know, if you carry like a powder, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever you do, if you do scratch labs or whatever it is um tailwind there's there's a ton of them out there carry the powder with you so you can replenish and then i there's there's going to be places to get water you just have to not be bashful right you see yeah like when i came around so about an hour 20 minutes after that south trailhead parking lot you come around the backside of the ski hill come through the parking yeah. lot my wife was parked there and when i pulled up she there was other racers there that she was filling their water up for them that's nice um just because I, I have this kind of the way it kind of rolls up there, I guess. And then the Nagani loop, I must have got my water bottles, my water bottle and stuff filled up by like four times or something. Within the loop? Yeah, within the Nagani loop. I mean, wow. it, this year took me a long time to do that loop, so it was three and a half now, hours. But. Talking about the um, the drop bag or drop bin can't what what's is there any limitation to that uh that is that a bag is it a bin is it a, right. can i can i pull a um uh, a large rubber made <laughs> bin there or i think that, their rule was like a reasonably small sized duffel bag so okay i had like a lunch cooler um that i threw i threw some spare parts in it uh like i had i threw a spare set of brake pads in it. I threw lights in it for the evening. I threw mm -hmm. spare food in it, which is, you know, you might ask like why I did all that if my wife was kind of following through the course. But as far as gear and equipment, tools and spare parts, uh, you were, were not, you know, you're not allowed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that that's, I carried my tools on me and then any spare parts. Cause there's always like the well, if I do use up a tube, then I'll have a spare tube in my drop bag that I can grab, right? And then I had yeah. – so I kept my Dude. lights and mechanicals, all that stuff in the drop bag. And then I did in case, you know, for some reason – Yeah. Um, I've got kids. They were back at our in-laws and stuff. But if something was going on there, my wife couldn't make it out. Yeah. Uh, I had spare food and everything in my, my drop bag as well. 
Okay, so, so you, you raced at night, didn't you, this year? This because year, yeah, you, I had to finish in the dark this year. You didn't you didn't finish in the dark the first year in 2016. Yeah, it was close. I mean, I in the, I used I had to use my the the previous year when I had missed the buckle by whatever 25 minutes. Um I I ha I used my lights in the woods because it was dark enough in the woods, but then when mm -hmm. I came across the finish, it was still, you know, um I was about 5-10 minutes from it being being dark, I guess. So. Okay, so now that you raced in in the dark, this year was yeah. Was would you change place. anything to your light setup? Because it's it's it yeah. was fine for for oh, if you for plan sure. on two and a half, uh, twelve and a half hours, but for fourteen, fifteen hours, because I I personally think I can. It's it's uh. My light I'm, setup is a is a hodgepodge. Yeah, I'm I, aiming for sixteen hours. That's what I'm aiming for. Okay. Knowing what I all I know, and then looking at, at at what you've done as far as uh your results in Shenandoah and a friend of mine results in Shenandoah and comparing and everything where what you did at uh, at Margie, I think I can manage a 16 hours. So I'm gonna gonna be aiming for three to four okay. hours race during the night. So that's uh hopefully I won't be the last finisher in 26 hours, but uh, I'll I'll be ready for that too. <laughs> Spending an all nighter. Stay in it, man. Yeah. Yeah. The Quit. uh no no texting pound quitter. No quitting is not an option. It's uh I a note on that. So most races have a cutoff time, and one of the things that I appreciate about this race is that if you start the race, they'll let you finish it. That's amazing. Um, and I, I think that's awesome because I yep. think um you know, I mean, I and I get it, right? Like all the races out there, right? You can't just be all night, and a lot of them are in different over different types of lands where they probably have rules about when they got to shut the race down, or you know, if there's a finish in town, or whatever they have worked out. But this is a really unique event in that, like, it re really any anybody can go after this thing. So, anyways, my little, you know, yeah, no, it's it's a, it's hats out to them so, to. To, and to they they stay in it. They're they're all night at the finish line, waiting for waiting for people. So, um, uh, so on lights, my lights are uh, a hodgepodge. If I got into doing more, you know, racing where I was going to be in the dark and after night, I would need to get some better lights. So, all I have is I I think they're they're three they're three lights. Each of they're the same ones. They're three hundred lumens. I have one on my helmet and I have to mount two in the bars because it's just not enough light. So yeah, I could imagine that. And I think I got them because I've I got it got a good deal on them or I don't know, what it was whatever it was. I've had them for a few years. I think I got myself one and then my kids each one. Because one of them, like if you look at them, one's got red red electrical tape and the other one's got blue electrical tape because it's my kids' favorite colors. Okay, so, so one for each. Yeah, that's their light. So like I have one and they each have one. And so I, I borrow their lights for uh, the race. So that's – yeah, if I got into like 24-hour racing or something like that, I would need to get a better light set up. So it's basically – it's enough to like kind of get me through. Good, good. All right, any any particular piece of equipment that you'd like to upgrade your bike to um, next year's? You mentioned a dropper post. Would that be for the whole season or just for that particular race? Uh, I'm running into more and more races where a dropper post is 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 more like likely. Um, my my bike is also um, 
I mean, I've, I'm on, was it three, three years with it now with quite a, quite a bit of racing. It's a pretty steep, you know, front end geometry on it. Um, I do like how it, how it climbs. Um, but it's, it's really steep in the front end, like the new geometry on bikes that are a little more raked out in the front and you kind of sit down into the bikes more. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely interested in that. And I'm so I, there's a good chance that I'll, I'll be into a new bike next year. Really? So really? We'll see. So I, I'm, I'm working a couple of, I'm working at my local shop now too. So, um, we'll, we'll see what I, what I come up with for next year. So. But yeah, I, I like, I would like something that is not so like twitchy. I mean, I've, I've test, test rode some different things with, with like a little more relaxed front end and just, yeah, having, uh, on those really long races, just having that really steep fork in the front. I feel like my, my, everything on my bike is nothing's original. I've, I think I've replaced everything now, uh, except the fork and the shock and both of them are desperately needed of uh full rebuilds hmm. okay so what brand do the your bike shop carry trek, trek. mainly trek only yeah. trek yep yeah. yep okay we, yeah so the uh but yeah so there's a good chance that i'll either ride a, a, a top fuel or a uh there's part of me that's interested in going with a a, a Hardtail too. I don't know. Just because some of the other stuff I'd like to do, uh, we maybe we'll talk about that. What like what's what else is on the agenda for next year? So I'm I'm still torn between a whole bunch of other things because I my problem is I can't you know I can't afford to have a bike for everything. So I got to find one bike that'll fit everything I want to do. Yeah. So well, maybe maybe a couple bikes. <laughs> so um, it's fat bike season coming pretty soon isn't it i yeah. don't know about you but, but so, we we have six inches of snow right now on the ground going going back to that though so so i've had this question before so somebody's asked before um you know do you need do you have to have full suspension to ride this oh yeah uh you know gordon wadsworth got a belt buckle on a single speed right so uh, of course you don't have to have full suspension to ride it um you know there's uh there's, I, I rode probably 70 miles of the, uh, 60 miles of the race with another single speeder. Uh, so no, you don't have to have full suspension, you know, to, to, uh, ride it. It's, there's definitely some, some gnarly stuff on it, but then there's also a lot of, it's just that like punchy, punchy stuff, but I've definitely ridden some other stuff where like wilderness 101 and shenandoah's got some some pretty gnarly stuff but then then you're kind of like okay well if i can get through that uh on a hardtail then there's a whole bunch of climbing that a hardtail would be pretty nice to have yeah it's funny because you mentioned single speeder um we don't see many uh single speeders in in quebec no 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 it's uh they're very far uh, we, we don't see them it's very far, few, few between. Uh, few, I'm sorry, it's my French coming back. There's uh, a, a, not a lot of of them uh, in the races. Okay. I can count a couple of ones only oh, in, really? in in the race. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's very uh, 
very fringe phenomenon here. Uh, whereas uh, in the United States, there's a, um, a ton load of, of, uh, of racers and there's even categories for, for single speeders. Yeah. And I feel like it's, I feel like it's even gaining popularity too. I mean, there's something about it that intrigues me too with the simplicity of it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I, I'm interested in it from the simplicity myself. I mean, I haven't done it yet, so, but, but I, I mean, I, I don't have a hardtail bike either. I have, I've been riding, I've been riding full suspension. So kind of, could those. be a good excuse to buy a new bike. By a hardtail. I, I, I don't need an excuse. I can come up with a hundred excuses to get a new bike. <laughs> but no, I, the last year, I, I mean, I was to the point of my my bike where I putting money into it, right to the point to where all right, maybe it's after you've replaced. The problem is I haven't had to replace everything all at once. You know, you wear yeah. out this and then you break that and then you're like. You look back at how much you put into it over a season. You're like, I could have probably just got a new bike. But anyway, yeah, same. Yeah, same so same. before we jump onto that, the uh, I think you wanted to talk about some about some fat bike stuff because that actually, I mean, that obviously is coming up. Was there anything else on on the margin? Was there some other races you were interested in in the U.S. too? Or um, I was th- I was thinking about Shenandoah, but um, next year is gonna it's not gonna be um. um the year uh there's some uh scheduling issues with my kids starting uh the youngest one starting uh kindergarten so um yeah uh since it's at the liberty weekend it's pretty pivotal for me to be here and not uh nine hours away (laughs) yeah that's uh uh, that's a tough one for that weekend because our kids started school on on the tuesday and so it was i would love to have them come down but so I went by myself because it just it wasn't feasible for them to uh, go all the way down there with me. And then, I mean, I I made it back on that Monday. Well, say late Monday you, night, yes. early Tuesday morning, I drove straight through back. But there's no way they could have done that with me and made it back to school. So if they went, they'd have to skip their first day of school at least. Yeah, so. it's a bummer. And especially since with it's a great week. It's an awesome race weekend though. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, it's a hard one to beat. Yeah, with the World Championship in in Mont Saint Anne 2019, I think 2020 is going to be the year for for me to go at Shenandoah. It's pretty far away, but uh, that's the outlook. And it, it's maybe, yeah, um, looking at races I'd like to do in 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 the states, there's the uh, Mohican 100 and yeah. the Lumberjack. The Lumberjack is also uh, one race that is appealing to me, um, because yeah. it's it's close to my home. I mean, close, relatively close, but within 13 hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'd like to get over to Lumberjack too. I, surprisingly, I mean, because it's not a straight shot across. I have to actually go like further east than the race actually is to catch the bridge and come back, or go down around South Chicago. So I, I think it probably take me 10 hours to get there still. Still, but, uh, yeah. I heard it's a good one. It, I think it sells out pretty fast. I, it's on my list to go do uh, Mohican. I've done Mohican, and um, yeah, I gotta get. I want to get back to Mohican because I didn't. I didn't have a good race there. That was, was two years ago. So, but yeah, Mohican's awesome as well. Mohican's great one. So, but anyways, so I, 
didn't mean to take you off topic there. No, no, uh, nothing uh, else from uh, from my point of view uh, regarding races in, in the states. They oh, there's part of the bucket list. There's the Pisgah um, stage race, but it's freaking early in the season. It's in April. I would have to have a killer season fat biking to be in shape for that. Well, the, <laughs> the problem with those is, how was it two years ago? I did that, like did a bunch of fat bike races, and then I went out and did True Grit. And by the time I hit True Grit, I was just toasted from the fat bike because I'd done like I think it had like three fat bike races, three weekends in a row, fat bike racing, a weekend off, Whoa. did the fat bike Berkey, and then the day after fat bike Berkey, started heading toward utah and then the next weekend was was true grit and i was just i was smoked by then hmm. well, some of the travel out there and stuff too but some also. some guys listening to this are like what a whiner i do it all the time <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how these guys can do it though but, they're they're racking up 100 miles races uh the day in and day out every weekend um it's amazing that they well are they full-time racers or do they have a day job? Because I can't do it with a day job. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think – I mean I've noticed the last few years from year over year, my, my base endurance gets better and better and, and I recover from – like this year I did four different 100-milers and I kind of felt like I recovered pretty quick from them. Like, if, you know, <laughs> like within a week I was feeling pretty good. Um especially two, uh, where like two years ago or three years ago, I was like five, six weeks of just still hurting from it. Um, but I think year over year, but then again, and for myself too, I don't put in a tons and tons of mileage either. So I think right now I'm sitting around 3,300 for the year, 3,400 miles. Um, which, you know, I don't think relatively speaking is a, uh, a lot of miles, a ton of miles. Mm. So. Is that mainly on, on the mountain bike, or is the does does that include uh, road biking? Uh, includes it includes a lot of road biking and okay. gravel, and um, I'll ride my mountain bike on gravel. Okay. Uh, and trainer miles, and my my trainer miles are equivalent to you know close to road miles. Okay. I ride so my road still, bike on the trainer. Still significant. So. Yeah. But. Yeah, I mean, you're you're still spending nine to fourteen hours on on the bike racing those those races, um, depending on the course. Like yeah. Shenandoah is nine hours. Uh, Margie Gesick is fourteen, twelve to fourteen. Yeah. Um, that's how you train for that. I mean, <laughs> you, you go out and and train for a nine hour day, or I kind of know the answers, but. Yeah, uh, I want to hear about it. <laughs> uh, so for me, because I just I I gotta fit it practical into life or whatever. So I mean, my my I'm not saying what I do is right, but it's like it's you do it for me what I can fit in. So uh, I I my long rides for me that is just a training ride will be you know three hours. Uh, there's a few fours in there. Um, like earlier this year, I did some four hour lap races. So those were added to some longer rides. Yeah. Uh, I think I did, uh, one really long ride earlier in the season, just kind of see where I was at, maybe a 90 some milers, but it was all gravel. I, 
it's some pavement road too in there on my mountain bike. Okay. And, um, but then, yeah, my, it's my long rides were, were the races, uh, okay, which good. could, could explain that, that cramping at the three hour mark. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, I, uh, like the previous year, I mean, I always like to kind of play around with different things too, but the, uh, there's that balance of how much base and endurance and knowing like, okay, you can't just go out and put a six hour ride in without like building, building your base endurance up to it. Right. Otherwise yeah. now that six hour training ride just turned into something that you got to spend more time recovering for and you miss out on more training too. So mm-hmm. just right. The balance there. So it's like, I mean, I, my, my heavy weeks, I think one of my heaviest weeks this year was like a, 13 hours of on the bike. Of yeah. Training, which is quad. It's still good. Which was, yeah. And it was, I mean, I, I felt it though. Right. So my, I'm probably, I think in the spring I put out one of my kind of monthly updates and I was at maybe like average, I averaged about six and a half hours a week. Uh, hmm. So, I mean, for me, I try to be personally, I just try to be efficient with it. So usually I'll have like two structured workouts during the week. And then the weekend is, if it's not a race, then I'm doing, um, well, depends if, if I'm leading up to a race and I'm probably doing some rides that are very like race simulation. Like if it's not a race and I'm doing more kind of endurance stuff, then I I'll go out and do a long endurance ride. So I have some like gravel loops around my house that I'll ride on my mountain bike that I can 40, 50 mile loops on gravel. Um, there's a, um, Elm Creek for those that are kind of local to the twin cities in, in Minnesota. I find Elm Creek to be personally for me, a great place to go ride trails, uh, and be able to ride at a faster than endurance pace, but not, you know, push yourself into, you know, red line much. Mm. You can ride a fast pace at tempo and work on bike handling, uh, because none of the, there's some, there's a few Hills there, but none of the Hills are like really steep, punchy, long sustained or anything like that. So you don't, there's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, versus one of my other trails that I'll ride, uh, Wooly bike club. Um, there's a few Hills there and it's a little more, you know, Rudy, there's a few places where, um, to, to go have a good solid kind of consistent ride. You're, you're definitely going to overdo it. So I'll, I'll yeah. save that for my kind of, race day simulation rides where I really want to push, push the heart rate. Okay. Sounds good. If that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. You don't want to push it too much too often. Yeah. I've done it in the past where I'm like, Oh, cause like where you say, Oh, I've got a, I've got this race. It's going to take me 12 hours. So I need to go ride, put in like these six hour rides. And then you do these, and then you just, oh, you, you just go in and you just keep tiring yourself out and, breaking yourself mm. down versus actually getting stronger. So. Yeah. Cause when you look at the, um, the feeds of, of Jeremiah Bishop or, uh, uh, other pro racers, they rack up the six hour race, uh, training rides, uh, quite often. Yeah. But, but those guys have it's full time. Yeah. Well, they have also, they, they've, they've got a much stronger, uh, base of fitness too, to be able to absolutely to handle that. Right. I mean, you, I mean, you got to, you got to have enough fitness to go put in that, that, that six hour ride. You got to have enough, you know, base endurance 
to, to do that. So, and to be able to spring back from it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So like they they might, they'll recover it from it faster than say you or I going and doing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and if that's what, you know, and then you also have to have the time for recovery. <laughs> right. So you can yeah. go do your ride and then you're going to, you know, spend six hours after your ride chopping wood and whatever, working in your garden or outside or working on your house. And that's, you're not really recovering from the ride. Either. So no. you, gotta, you, know, you gotta plan around that too. Yep. So yep. It's, uh, yeah. I've, I've done that in the spring, right? We've like planted trees and stuff. Like I'll like got these loads, like 50 trees or whatever. And I remember one year, like just going to town, planting them like the day before a, uh, four hour lap race. <laughs> <laughs> just before yeah and then like spent the two days after the lap race finishing them up i didn't really recover well from that race so anyway it's been hard but yeah so cir- circling all the way all the way back to what was it that you uh had started to bring up i was like snow snow is uh snow is upon us i i don't know about you we have i think four or five inches of snow down uh on the on the ground right now and uh, i'm hitching to get my fat back out and how about you yes i've had mine out once uh for a uh we had a like a really long well it was supposed to be like a it was called a, a ride called beat the dark and it was a, a hundred mile uh ride on the gandy dancer trail in wisconsin it's an old railroad bed mm-hmm. uh, by i only rode like 30 of it or something like that but a bunch of people showed up on fat bikes because it actually snowed the two days before it um snow was gone that the next day but it was kind of more of a ooh, we're excited about fat bike season so everybody rode fat bikes uh, most people did but yeah we're there's no snow on the ground here our ground's frozen though uh we're kind of trails have been open a time or two with a little bit of snow on them we had some early snow this year uh but we're yeah we're definitely we're we're getting close and uh, I'll put a little plug in for the Great Lakes Fat Bike Series and uh, the Solstice Chase Fat Bike Race is the the kickoff of the Great Lakes Fat Bike Series, and that is coming up. I think it's December sixteenth, so mid December. Um, so anybody listening, make sure you get registered for that. But yeah, that's that's our big one, Solstice Chase. It's in Saint Croix Falls, Wisconsin, um, and the, the the shop that I'm working at, Cyclo Vexies, actually puts on the race. So okay, so. That series uh, is, is a series of how many races? Uh, you know, I, I can't remember how many. Maybe seven or eight races. So there's really, yeah. There's there's a few in Lower Michigan, and then there's the Polar Roll, which is the same crew that puts on the Margie Gessick. So mm-hmm. I've so re- I've registered for the Polar Roll, and uh, it's just they do a good job up there. I just I like what they're doing up there. It's it's awesome community around the races, and then. Uh, there's a couple here, well, here in, in Minnesota. So the Cuyuna Whiteout is part of it. And um, let's see, uh, Frozen 40. So you had mentioned uh, Ben Wellneck earlier. Not yeah. Mario, but, but Ben puts that race on. Uh, I think this is the last year for it, though, from what I've heard. So so how many miles do we do we are we talking about here are the regional series um less than 40 miles uh, the frozen oh. 40 obviously is 40 miles i mean because there's all, all, all about sorts that. of uh, 
air races in, in mountain and in, in fat biking. There's the 200 milers of the fat pursuit. There's yeah, the yeah, crazy distance like of the um, Idaho rod. Then, uh, I mean, we're, we're talking about how many miles? Uh, so <laughs> frozen 40s darn near could be called the frozen 50. It's four laps around Elm, but laps are 11 miles. And then there's a kind of a little start out type thing. Right. So I, I think I did it a couple of years ago, come out to like 47 miles or something like that by the time I was done. And then, uh, polar roll. I can't remember. Last year was a little bit shorter, but I think this year it's back to point to point. So maybe it might be 35. Um, it's going to follow some of that Margie course, I think. Mm -hmm. And, Solstice Chase is around the Wooly Bike Club trails. So it's going to be, if it's a couple, of, it might be 15 miles. Something. I'm actually not sure. I, sh I guess I should know that. But um, And then let's see. Cuyuna has, most of the races all have options too. So like Frozen 40 has like a one lap option too. It doesn't count toward the series points. But uh, like Solstice Chase has a single lap option. Um Cayuna Whiteout had like, if I remember, had three different race options. That's a good race too. I didn't, I didn't go up there. I only did a couple of fat bike races last year. And then there's out here. I mean, aside from the Great Lakes Fat Bike Series, we talk about that. There is a ton of other fat bike uh, races, just smaller ones. Uh, all over, like, um, I think Penn Cycle puts on a couple. Is it Get Fat with Pat? Um, there is, uh, gosh, there, there was another one that I went to last year, um, in, uh, Cambridge. It's, it's like the first weekend of, uh, January, uh, I'll look it up frozen something else that was driving me nuts that I, didn't, I can't remember it. Cause it was, it was an awesome, fun little, um, race, but there's yeah. so much offering so much offering from what you're telling me i mean it's crazy we only have i think three or four races in in uh, the province of quebec right now Are you, you have serious? to drive yeah there's not a lot and they um there's the um a couple races that are to the same format as the uh, cross-country olympic distances so that's okay. an hour an hour and a half top and if you have to, if you want to go longer distance, you, you basically have to drive down to um, to Vermont. There's a few. Uh, I've done a race last year. It was um, actually a, kind of nice. It was a um, um, th three days event. So a crit, a fat crit on the on the Friday night, um, and then uh, going coming down the Mont, Mont saint anne uh, for a 25 kilometer race that's uh, 18 mile no 15 miles and then the the, the third day was a sunday was a time trial it was uh okay so sort of a um race uh stage race <laughs> of some oh. sort and fat bike yeah it was nice yeah with a cumulative uh um Standing at the end, so it was uh, that was nice, but there's there's not a lot of offering aside from the uh, crossing of the uh, Lac Saint Jean um, up in uh, up north, where it's been there for like 15 years, I think. Okay. They're crossing like 30 kilometers, uh, 18 miles race, uh, race on the lake. That's about it. That's there's not 
not a lot of fat bike going yeah. on. Uh, yeah, it's, it's quite fat bikes a pretty big deal around here. It's uh, it's been growing. So cross country skiing skiing is uh, a really big deal here between Wisconsin and Minnesota. Last couple of years we haven't had the snow, but you know if you had a fat bike you could still bike as long as the trails are frozen. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, cycling's pr- a pretty big deal around the Twin Cities. And I'm I'm not from Minnesota originally. I've only lived here for five years, but it's something I've kind of picked up on. And uh, it, it's yeah, there's a lot. Cycling's a pretty big deal, and so fat bike fat biking caught on. And I, it seems like there's I mean there's multiple races you can go to uh, on the weekends in the winter here sometimes. So uh, freezer burn was the name of that other one oh. that I was thinking of. Um, it's it's uh it's like in in Cambridge. It's first or second weekend after um, the first of the year. So, gosh, there's another one too. Norpine Fat Bike Classic. It's up on the the North Shore. Same race director, I think, puts that on. That puts on the Lutes in '99. I mean, there's a, there's a ton of them. Like you can yeah. race almost every weekend. If there's not a one that's part of a big series, there's something going on that's uh, more of a kind of a local fun fun thing. But. I mean, <laughs> people show up to race and are serious about it, but yeah, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things too. Cause it, it just spreads right into, I mean, you end up racing year round. So you, it's, it is difficult. You got to figure out when your downtime is. If, if Absolutely. You, know, you just got to um, go into it. And some of them have some fun. So, so how do you compare cross country skiing to, to fat biking for your, uh, training during the winter? Winter. Do you see, uh, better benefits from cross country skiing or from fat biking? <laughs> I'll let your, you know. So, oh. uh, so I bought, when I moved out here, I got some classic skis uh-huh. and I think I went a handful of times, five or six times. Uh, I don't think I went at all the year after that. A couple years ago, I, I borrowed a set of skate skis from, uh, a guy that did a lap and then I classic ski. That was like the one day I, I went. And then last fall I bought some skate skis and was going to get into it last year i i skied twice at michigan tech the tech trails and then once and calumet michigan sweet town this is between christmas and new year's last year and then i got back to minnesota and we just didn't have the snow and i i don't know i i didn't want to drive 50 minutes to uh to ride on you know a a loop around a man-made course i mean i totally fine i just Many, many people, many people do, but I wasn't serious enough about it to, to do it. I mean, uh, so I would just get on my bike trainer, but so I'll hmm. let you know. So I signed up, I plan on, I'm, well, I'm going to have to ski this year because, uh, a couple weeks ago I signed up for the Berkey Beaner, uh, skate ski race. It's 50 K I think, yep. uh, in Wisconsin. So uh, I'm all in on that. I figure if I don't learn how to ski by then, I hopefully I figure it out by the time I ski 30 some miles so it's part of the uh the world up at uh series at uh that the berkey yeah we have same same series uh, um world up at series has come okay. coming through uh, ottawa uh, it's actually the get no region yeah um yeah okay it's been, yeah it's also there's a point-to-point race of uh, 50k okay um classic on the saturday and uh, skate on the sunday so do you ski them? 
Yes, I, I actually used to. I still have my rigs and everything, my my, my skis and everything. Um, although the snow uh, conditions were not optimal last the last couple of years, which led okay, me to buy a, buy a bike, buy a buy fat, fat bike. bike. <laughs> yeah, and it's so, so much easier to to get the um, the bike out than the uh, the skis because you don't have to glide and and to to wax them and and to put uh, grip. And, and and whatnot but it's it's i enjoy it i enjoy it i, I find that uh when comes spring i'm in better shape overall better shape than just fat biking throughout the, the winter yeah. however i don't have my uh, cycling legs so i tire up pretty easily on, on the climbs yeah. and it takes a month, month and a half to get back to it but okay. uh, yeah it, it it's it changes changes from 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 the uniplane cycling system that you only yeah. works at new muscles and weaken the, the core and everything so yeah yeah i i this 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 year for me is probably the year of uh we'll see i'm still tossing around some things i, I would love to do a bunch of enemy races but it also might be the year of me just doing a mixing things up big time I, i've been wanting to do some trail running and um eventually maybe some triathlon stuff and kind of dabbled with it last year but so i the ski thing for me is going to be cool a good way to mix things up i and i'll 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 spend i'll spend plenty of time put some some training time in on my trainer to keep my cycling legs so i'm starting Mm. to i'm getting a pretty good kind of kind of system down so one of the reasons my mileage is a little lower this year probably than it was and there probably could have been as I had some downtime too uh last last winter from I was I was sick and I, I spent a little bit of time being being down. So okay. anyways. So. so less less races next year in 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 the Oh no, I'll probably stay I'll probably stay busy. <laughs> I just I'm not sure exactly what it what it's all gonna entail yet. So we'll we'll see. I, I I'd like to knock off some trail runs. So there's this race, and I, if you listen to one of the previous podcasts with uh, Eric Olson, which if you haven't, I'd highly recommend if you're listening to go back and listen to it. Uh, Eric's the one that uh, talked to him about doing 100 marathons. Yep. Uh, he had mentioned a race called the Wilderman, and it's it's not an Ironman race. It's not associated with Ironman or anything like that, but it's an Ironman distance, uh, but it's all in the dirt. Well. Aside from the swim, right? You yeah. Know, you still got to swim in water. <laughs> but <laughs> it's, uh, um, I don't know. That, I, this year might be the year to just throw myself at some stupid stuff. I don't know. We'll see. That, that one's, it's, I've looked at that one before and I, I, I've, uh, doing a marathon's been on my bucket list, getting into some trail running and I want to do an Ironman. And, uh, so I don't know. I, sometimes I bite off more than I can chew, but who knows? I might slap myself into, you know, uh, more seriousness and I don't know. I'd like to do, I'd like to hit some more of these hundred mile mountain bike races. So I, I feel like my, I've been getting to the, uh, this past year, I got to the point where I could do them and then recover pretty fast and get back to it. Where a couple years ago when I tried to do them, I did, I think a s- six, seven or eight different hundred milers, not all NUEs, did some other stuff, mm-hmm. but uh, I spent the whole year recovering instead of getting stronger where this year I felt like I was able to recover from a little, I prepared much better, I kind of feel like I kind of have a good system down and be able to prepare for them, train for them, and then recover. 
Um, you know, obviously not at the not at the top of the pack with it, but yeah, thinking thinking back about it, uh, yeah, I'm I feel the same about uh, recovering. Um, used to be that uh, 50 miler would put me down for three to four weeks before I could recover yeah. correctly, and then now I just uh, I could do him probably every week. Yeah, I for feel a, like I... for a couple four or five races, but then after that it'll be trashed. But yeah. yeah, but yeah, I feel like I could. I was able to get back to training like a week later, and I, I didn't really, you know, miss out on a bunch of training. So that's partly why I feel like, oh, if I just did mountain biking next year, I maybe I could have a have kind of a breakthrough year with it. But uh, I also, I just I like getting out there and trying new stuff too. So it's not yeah. for me. It's not. It was never this, this whole thing was never really meant to be all about the bike. It was, it actually started. I just, I kind of wanted to be fit enough to go do whatever and enjoy it, that kind of thing. So the, the mountain biking things just kind of spiraled on me and that's, I kind of defer to that, but cause it's so much dang fun. <laughs> well, anyways. Um, any temptation to come in uh, 2019 uh, to the uh, Masters uh, World uh, Championship in Mont Saint Anne for a, uh, a cross country Olympic cross country distance? <laughs> I have to I have to check that out. I, yeah, I don't. I haven't followed or know anything about that stuff. So, uh, short intense races that last roughly between an hour thirty and uh, oh, man. two hours. I have not done anything like that in a. In a while, although I, I, I probably should do more of that stuff. So when you say uh, masters, isn't that forty plus? Mm. What is that? I, yeah, I think it's forty plus. Oh wait, 2019 though. You have to be forty the year of twenty nineteen. Yeah, I'll so be forty in two ni- 2019. So I'll, I'll I turn thirty nine here in in twenty eighteen. So that's it. You could qualify. Yeah. And it's good because two days after that race, there's a 50 miler at Mont Saint Anne still. So really? um, same organization, yeah. Well, maybe, maybe. I, so, heck, I probably get out, get out that way. Where, where's that relative to Montreal? Um, it's about four hours. It's just near Quebec City, uh, so it's uh, east of Montreal. Uh, an hour away from Quebec City. Okay. Uh, yeah. The hall. I, mean, I drove 19 hours to get to Shenandoah and uh, just shy of that to get to Wilderness 101. Especially since it's going to be at the beginning of the summer, the, the school, um, school comeback. Maybe it's going to be uh, far-fetched. Hmm. Yeah. I, so. I like I like looking for looking for new stuff to do. So, I, like I said, my I think my the bucket's overflowing right now, but I feel like. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how you feel about this, right? But eight years ago, seventy years ago, when I was a little overweight, I I felt like I was getting old. But now I feel like I like I'm gonna keep doing this stuff. I got another third good thirty years in me. Yep. I, I I won't I won't get keep getting faster for thirty years, but maybe maybe another six or seven years of getting faster, and then maybe taper off. If you look at um, the the guys that are training every year they basically keep their speed up to roughly 56 57 and after that it's all downhill but it's crazy see that's still 20 years yeah for you 
19 yeah. for me. <laughs> well, you still got some time then too. 15, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. We're about an hour and a hour and a half something in. Um, oh. Did we? Uh, was there anything else that we're missing here? That you wanted to cover? No, I'm I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Yeah. So, and, and not that we have to, not that we have to cut it off or anything like that. So, but um, no, this was this was cool. I didn't know, you know, was this was this was great actually. Uh, hopefully, hopefully everybody enjoyed this. Some good stories and talking about uh, whatever's going on. I'm trying to trying to mix this podcast up. I want to bring some guests on. Um, I'll have a variety of guests on, and this was just I don't know. I saw your comments on there asking me the questions. Curious if I was going to put something else together like that. And I'm like, let's just do it on a podcast, man, if you're interested. So, Am I am I the first international international uh, guest that you had on your podcast? Yeah. Oh, yeah, great. absolutely. Yeah, Jerome Dion, first <laughs> international guest on the podcast. Like, how, you, have how, to, you have to pass us around up there. Yeah, I'll, I'll sure do. How did you get into uh, podcasting, by the way? Uh, so I've had this blog – um, back when I got, you know, after I got back in shape, I actually started running before I got my bike out. Uh, and then I, I got the bike out and I, I did a race and then was all geeked up about it. And so I had had another blog at one point called outdoor family life. Uh, it's still out there. I just, I haven't done much with it lately. Um, so I was kind of familiar with writing blogs or whatever. So I started up another blog called endurance path and, and just started writing about, um, some of my race experiences and the podcast stuff starts coming out. And so I was really interested in putting my own podcast and stuff together. Um, probably kind of talk about some of this stuff. And then, um, I was listening to, um, the last aid station one time, Mark Stover put that on. And because I was, I mean, actually great resource, by by the way, anybody, if you're interested in NUE races, and learning about them, um, check out the last aid station. Um, you can, I mean, you can find, I mean, I, Mark's done specific episodes on most of the races in the past. He's had people on, uh, the winners of the races to talk about them. And then anyways, he at one time was looking for, uh, a co-host for it. And so I got in contact with him and joined him i think so i co-hosted with him for like a year on the last aid station so while i was there yep. we talked about a bunch of these anime races too so you can go back through a lot of those old shows um and that was that 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 show was a, a you know that was a lot of work to put together because of all the um pulling all the race details together so uh, hats been, off yeah. to mark because he's been mark's like four years now been been doing that so uh, he's getting into the doing some, some, he's got some really good interviews he's done this year too. So, um, anyways, but yeah, so that's, that's all I did that. And then, uh, this for my own here, well, I hadn't, it would had been probably nine months or so since I had done, been on the last aid station, but, um, I can't remember what I was doing. It was this, this summer sometime I was reading back through one of my race reports and I just like a switch flipped and I was like, why don't I just record myself reading these race reports so people don't have to read them. They can just listen to them. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I literally, I like sat down and I ordered a mic on Amazon and it was there two days later. And then I just started recording them. And then after a few of them, I had this big plan. I was going to put all my old race reports out 
And then I was like, that's, that's just going to get work. boring for people. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll get to them as they come up. And I just was like, this, that's just going to like burn people out, especially if the race isn't like current. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what I did was that I kind of reverted back to like, as a, like, you know, I didn't do order shore this year, but order shore was coming up. So I went and put my race report out for it. And then I did the same thing before Margie went and like put my old one out. So I will get to some of my old race reports, uh, but I'll wait until like that race is coming up. So it's okay. kind of relevant for people. And so then at some point I was like, wow, people are going to get tired of hearing me talking. And my whole, this whole endurance path thing started because, um, yeah, I got myself back in shape and then I've gotten into personal training and I'm working at the gyms and I was like, you know what? We hear all these stories on Facebook and, you know, most podcasts and everything's out there about these, the high level athletes, um, but there's like the 95% of us uh, that a lot of us actually have a pretty similar story. So I wanted to – that's what I'm trying to do now is showcase some other examples of uh, people that are out there getting back into it or maybe have gotten themselves back in shape. Or maybe maybe it's always been in shape but they're just constantly finding new things and they inspire people. Uh, so that's that's kind of what I'm doing with that. I want to give a chance to showcase some – some other folks. So, um, yeah, that, I don't know, does that make sense? Yeah, that's great. That's yeah. great. It's perfect. I love, I love listening to, uh, race reports or, or anything, uh, related to, um, mountain biking on my lengthy commute. So, uh, hats off to you. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, that's, <laughs> it's good. It's, it's, it's been cool for me too. Cause I've, I've gotten to meet, you know, a lot of cool people and interesting people about it and had some great conversations and it's, it's continuing and I get the feedback that, People are enjoying it and uh, and and appreciate it. So as long as I know people appreciate it, they enjoy it, and it's it obviously it helps. Um, it, it it helps helps me, you know, grow my my website and stuff that I'm doing too with my my training and the fitness stuff. So uh, as well. So um, up up your way. Do you do you have any local shops or anybody you want to give a shout out to? Yeah, well, I, I'm just an average Joe, so I'm not I'm not sponsored by anything. But I just want to um, put my hats off to uh, one of the local bike shop located in uh, Valleyfield. Um, it's a little town near near my hometown. Uh, it's called uh, Bicycle Brisé, which is literally broken bicycles. Uh, okay. <laughs> in in and French. They fix them. Yeah, and they fix them. Yeah. So they, uh, they sell good ones. They sell, they sell good ones now, yeah. yeah. They've been uh, – the, 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 the bunch of guys that bought – there's a, actually a couple guys that bought that shop five years ago and they put it back in the map with uh, with uh, uh, brands that are actually uh, selling uh, like Rocky Mountains and, and Norco and uh, um, let's see, Giant, Giant Bicycles as well. Okay. So they're very dynamic. There's uh, a couple guys and a girl. Um, they offer spinning classes at night, uh, and they offer also uh, women-specific mountain bike club rides okay. um, because um, women tend to be uh, um, more going out, uh, outgoing to bicycle rides with uh, with other women because yeah. it's less um, <clears throat> impressive or less intimidating. Yeah. So, and so it's perfect for that. It's um, so they're actually helping me helping me out uh, building my new bike 
next year. So I'm uh, building it piece by piece, uh, selecting the headset and the bottom bracket to be what I want. And, All uh, for so Margie? Or just, um, just no, just for uh, my 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 bike is like five years old. Okay. So yeah. it's uh, it's been clapped out. For I've now. been replacing it. Yep, yeah, everything yeah. has been replaced like you uh yeah, yeah. as as they as they wear out and uh, so uh i'm going for the new uh, geo uh, geo uh with the slacker head tube yeah. and uh steeper uh, seat tube and bigger fork yeah. in front and everything so i'm actually going to be building a brand new uh rocky mountain element uh sweet. 2018 yeah it's gonna be sweet it's gonna look a lot like the um the one on the website, however, I still has chosen some some parts. Uh, is that the off, one that's off. got the kind of a adjustment in the the rocker, so you can change the geometry on it? Yeah, the Ride Nine system. You can yeah. actually uh, slack the head to. I think it's uh, by a full degree between full steep and full slack. Sweet. I think it's yeah. So uh, I'm uh, I've tried it as it came out last year. They actually. Ordered a um, a demo uh, and called me uh, saying, "Hey, I want to try it. It's it's, uh, it's at the shop right now. If you want to have it, you have it for the whole, whole weekend." So I, I tried it out. Yeah, I almost tried it at one one race, I think, but it decided against. Uh, I raced my own, so yeah, yeah you it's gonna be two nice. Bottles on that too. Yes, yes. That's uh, there's a there's a few manufacturers out there that are fit in two bottles within the triangle on a full suspension frame and hats off to that. Yeah. That's going to be a, a nice race weapon. So, uh, it's helpful. um, yeah. So big sh shout out to them and, um, cool. That's it. Basically that's it. Well, Hey man, and drone, this was, this was odd. This was fun. So I, I enjoyed this. So, uh, me too. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll have to do this again, uh, after the season or something. So I'm up for it. Yep. This, this, this worked well. So, um, but yeah, so that's all I've got. If you got anything else, man, throw it in. Well, just a big thank you to you, and uh, we'll talk to you later. All right. Awesome, man. Thanks for coming on the show. No problem. Steve here again. As always, thanks for tuning in. I've created a page for each episode, and links to each of those episode pages can be found at endurancepath.com backslash podcast. If you like what I'm doing here, pass it around and leave me a review in iTunes or whatever podcast app you listen through. If you want to send me some direct feedback, send an email to podcast at endurancepath.com. Also, if you know somebody that has a great story that needs to be told, send them my way. Let's get people off the couches, moving, and challenging themselves. There's a whole lot of life out there to be had. Let's keep it moving.